Let's talk about dying today. What an awesome topic to talk about. You know, when we come to Memorial Day weekend, though, in all seriousness, we are at a time in our nation where we do pause and we take a moment and we reflect on those who've given their life for our nation. And so the topic of this message today is very appropriate, not only as we remember and are honored to be in a free country that we have, but also as we think of our own lives and we think about uh, our own mortality. And this is not a topic, again, that we like to talk about. But how would your life, now really think, take this question to heart, how would your life be different if you found out today that you actually only had 12 months to live? How would you live differently? How would you spend your time? Now, most people, they don't get to know when their final breath is. But let's say you did. How would you live your life differently? In the movie The Bucket List, immediately when I came out and I saw it, I said this will be a message in the movie, a part of the series, because it has such a tremendous message of bringing mortality straight into our face, no matter who you are. And our own mortality must be, must be realized because you got two men here. One wealthy, one not so wealthy. One white collar, one blue collar. One black, one white. One, one very educated, one slightly educated. One, one man who's faithful in his marriage. One man who's just a single swinger. You've got, you've got one man who, um, who lives life on the edge and one man who lives quite conservatively. You've got one man who's business smart and one man who's book smart. You've got one man who has faith and another man who doesn't have faith. You've got one man who has a family and another man who doesn't have a family. So these are two polar opposite men in every sense of, the, of, 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 of categories. But yet they come together in a hospital room under one common reality, that they're mortal beings. Their life will end. And it's in that moment of the realization of their own life coming to an end within the next 12 months that they do a total reshuffling of their priorities. So I ask you the question again, if you were faced with the reality or the diagnosis that you had 12 months to live, how would you live differently? They began to develop a bucket list from this. I don't know how you would make your bucket list out, but there's a sheet of paper that was in your worship guide today that throughout this message as things come to your mind, as God speaks things into your heart, as things just come up, please begin to make your bucket list. That is your piece of paper. It's blank. It's empty. It's for you to create uh, what, what God is saying to you in this message today or in your life today. But to think about that bucket list for you. I have a bucket list since watching this movie. Uh, it's one of those things that, I, some things that I want to do, some that are very self-centered and some that are very, I hope, God-centered. And the whole idea is to bring us back to the reality that life is short. And we don't always have control of all elements of our life. We might not even have control of tomorrow. We may not even have control of where we're going to eat lunch today. How simple can that be? We don't have control over our job and over our future. So the question is, again, for us to think about 
our own mortality and be faced with that and to be thinking of a person in Scripture that was absolutely head-on looking down the barrel of the gun or the noose or I don't know what he was, how he was killed, but the Apostle Paul. Take your Bibles. We'll be finding the book of 2 Timothy, the last book of Paul's writings. The Second Timothy, the last book of his writings, the last chapter of his writings, nearly the last words of his writings, do we find Paul writing to young Timothy, his protege, his, his mentor in the ministry as he's raising him up. And Timothy is really struggling in Second Timothy in this, in this letter. I mean, and that's why Paul's writing this letter to them. And he's struggling with his faith. He's struggling with just being solidly committed to Christ. And he wavers at times. He's ashamed of, of his faith at times. And we, we talked about that even back a few weeks ago when we were talking about fear, the, how, how Timothy had, had a spirit of fear and Paul had to say, listen, listen, that's not of God. And so, so 2 Timothy is, again, just Paul kind of putting his, his arms around Timothy and saying, hey, Timothy, come on, man, stay in the faith. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. And so really we come today and we just kind of look at, again, Paul's words to Timothy that are words to us today that as he gives them to us, help us to hear from a dying man who's pretty much given us a pretty good formula for writing a bucket list. Because when Paul goes back in these last waning moments of his life, he kind of relives and kind of helps us to understand maybe two criteria for a bucket list. So as you're sitting there today thinking of your bucket list, that's fine. Think of that bucket list. But make sure that it falls through, it's filtered through somewhat of a criteria that Paul lays out of his own life story. And so let's begin reading in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. And he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Paul was becoming a cocktail drink where his blood would be spilt, the hand of the Romans. And he knew, he knew that his suffering was present. He knew that his life and his death was imminent. He knew that his days were were numbered. He said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. He wasn't getting on a ship and going into retirement. He knew he was going to die. He knew that he had been delivered a death sentence. And so in Paul's fleeting moments, whether they're 12 days or 12 months or 12 hours or 12 minutes, Paul's writing these last words to Timothy, and he's just giving him some criteria to live by. Because as he reviews his life, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And in the future, he's already thinking ahead. He's already moving out ahead. Is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on the day, not only to me, but also to all who've loved his appearing. So the first criteria that that we need to see from this passage is that live your faith without regrets. Whenever Paul is sitting here writing in these last moments of his life, he, he looks back at it and he says, you know what? I fought the fight. I've kept the, I, I finished the course. 
I've kept the faith. These verses, these words, these phrases right here have encouraged me and excited me for some time as I sit here and think about them. Early on in ministries, I thought, you know what? I hope that I can say at the end of Mike McDaniel's life, whether it's today or it's years from now, I hope that I can say what Paul said about his life. And the only way I know to live that kind of life, and to, excuse me, the only way I know to, to, to be able to say that I have fought the fight, that I have kept the faith, that I have finished the course, the only way I can do that is to live it now. And so the only way that I can look at the end of my life and look back over my life is to live a life with a faith without regrets. No holding back. No savoring, no saving anything back, but living it, putting it all on the table, or as a football coach might say, putting it all on the field and leaving it there. As you look at this passage, you see several things about about the faith that that Paul gives a kind of a metaphoric statement about it. But as you think about this passage and you think about what Paul said, I want us to be stirred today to think about what level of commitment do we have to our own. Christian faith. What real sold out level of commitment do we have? Not are we here on Sunday, not are we here on a Memorial Day weekend when I have an excused an excused absence. You know, that what level of faith and commitment to my faith do I have? Because I think probably one of the greatest statements that G. K. Chesterton ever said was that the Christian faith has not been tried and found wanting. It has, it has been found difficult and left untried. See, I think the greatest problem is not that people look at the Christian faith and that the Christian faith is a weak faith, therefore I'm not going to live it. I'm afraid that it's Christians who are looking at faith and they are simply weak and unable or unwilling, I should say, to live out their faith without regrets. And I think Paul, again, shows us several ways that we can live a faith without regrets. So at the end of our life, we can say, I did it. I was faithful. I, I, I was honorable in how I lived my life. Three, there's three statements that I want you to get down, and hopefully may it mark your faith, because I think if you live out these three statements, you will live with a faith without regrets. One is to live a faith that is courageous. Be courageous in your faith. Be courageous in your faith in such a way that you are not just looking for the cozy, easy path. As I said last week, I'll promise you that it is not God's desire to make our lives cozy and comfortable and easy. There will be times that we will be drawn into a battle. In fact, I would say it's a daily battle within, within us. But I would say this of what I see in most Christian, Christianity today especially as I look around the world, I look at it and I say that, you know what? We have lost our sense of adventure, our sense of courageous Christian faith. We have chosen a cozy, comfortable, placid kind of faith. We have, we have, we have taken the very strength and the, the adventure out of it. This is what D.H. Lawrence said, he said, the adventure has gone out of the Christian venture. We have lost that venture. 
Paul said in his, of his faith, he said, I have fought the good fight. There is an element that we must realize in the Christian faith that there is a battle raging in this world. Some would say the battles in the secularization of this world, in the secular humanism of this world, surely there is a battle there. But I don't fight my greatest battles on the outside. You know where I fight my greatest battles? I fight them right inside. My greatest struggles is not with the pluralism or the relativism of our, of our day and age. In fact, I look at that and I see that that is just a part of, of the post-Christian world in which we live. My greatest struggles are not with you. My greatest struggles are with me. My greatest struggles is not with Lori or my children. My greatest struggles are inside my own heart. And so I believe when Paul's talking about fighting the good fight, I think, yes, he is talking about advancing the cause of Christ. But I even think more than that, he is talking about the battle that he fights within. The battle that goes on inside. A battle between light and darkness, good and evil. There's a a stirring inside of my heart that to share a series of messages like I've never shared before. And I tell you this today because I absolutely must have your prayer if this is ever going to happen. I have never shared a series of messages that would directly deal with Satan, the devil, our adversary. Oh, I have alluded to him. I've talked about the dark side. I've talked about temptation. But never have I taken head on in such a blatant way the adversary. But I feel that there's something stirring inside of me that I need to approach this from a biblical manner. Because there are fewer and fewer people believing in the adversary, which again is one of the tools of Satan. And I don't even want to start sharing what God is dealing with me about on this. But the, the reality is this, is that there is a war going on, and the war is for my loyalty. I am the chum of the battle. And the adversary, the devil, is about like a roaring lion wanting to devour me and you. And I'm afraid that sometimes we don't know what to do. And we can't even identify the dark side, if we call it that. And so you, would you do that? Would you pray for me in this? Because I can tell you right now, I am under tremendous pressure inside my own heart about this very topic. It's a spiritual battle that we're talking about. Paul, again, I said, he, he fought in this battle. He fought the fight. And the battle was not so much out. It was The battle was what was going on inside of him. Even Paul refers to it in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And out of the messages, he says, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I, I really... Don't, I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. There is a tremendous battle that goes on inside of a heart of a believer. And sometimes if we don't feel that battle going on inside of us, it's because we're just sucked into it. And we have become the chum of the adversary. And he is gnawing on our life. 
But if I'm going to live a life without regrets, I'm going to have to realize I'm going to have to live courageously. In the battle of this world, in the battle of this life, and it's not about taming my life, it's about living courageously, as Jared shared a little bit earlier. It's about being bold. And what may, some may see barbaric at times, some may see a little radical at times, I think we might need to look again at what that really looks like. And maybe the weakness and the emasculated faith that is so often lived out, maybe the reason our faith is so weak. Here's what Erwin McManus said. He said, the, the civilized Christian does what is right out of fear. The barbarian does what is right out of love. The Christian civilization is held together by rules and rituals, but barbarians' revolt is fueled by the passion of God and guided by a mission of God. If our children are going to walk away from Christ, we need to raise them in such a way to understand that to walk away, to walk away from Jesus is to walk away from a life of faith risk and adventure and to choose a life that is boring, mundane, and ordinary. See, if we really lived the Christian life, we would not be bored. It would not be mundane. It would be the most courageous lifestyle. And Satan would do everything in his powers to fight against that. Be courageous. The second thing Paul did in his life was he was persistent. We must learn to be persistent. He said, I finished the course. So much of our Christian faith, again, in our culture, I'm afraid, is weak. And we are very good at starting something, but we are very weak when it comes to finishing something. We'll start a men's Bible study or women's Bible study through Esther, but will we finish it? We'll start a commitment to a tithe to campaign or to tithing until we decide vacation looks more appealing. And then we will pull from that. We'll be committed to, to, to go somewhere on a mission trip as long as there's beach and sand and, and something that's comfortable when we get there. And it's not too challenging for us. I'm afraid what we've got to learn to do in our faith is finish what we've started. Paul said, I started my faith walk and I'm ending my faith walk. And for some in this room, you might be struggling in that very area right now because to you, you're reading the Bible far less than you've ever read it. Oh, you can remember the days when you used to lead people in prayer and bring people to Jesus and now you can't remember the last time you prayed. That this is not to discourage and berate you. This is to encourage you, to get back on, to to realize that your life is so short and my life is so short that we might come back to the realization of what are real priorities. Speaking with two people just this week, both of them totally do not know each other. Both of them facing their own mortality. Both of them saying this, I realize the real value of my life. What's really important. thing is, we can all sit in here with a clean bill of health today and not feel that urgency. And what I hope today is to wake us up to that urgency, that reality. And so that when we get to the end of our life, we will have been courageous. 
because we fought the fight. We, we will have not only been courageous, we will have been persistent. Because we will have finished the course, the course that God has called us to. A couple of weeks ago, if you remember in the bulletin, we were going to have this bike race for Rwanda. Uh, it was a bike race to help uh, a group of missionaries go to Rwanda and uh, work with orphanages in Rwanda to put on Christian sports camps. It was a great cause, and, and I promoted it, and I was behind it and organized. I think there was a total of about ten different people who were going to be a part of it. It was going to be a great race. We were going to have fun. And, uh, and by, the, by the day of the race, I think four people showed up. And the, the reason is because it was like 50 degrees, blowing hard winds, and rain off and on, sporadically. And uh, Kelly Williams is here, and he was one of the courageous ones. And there are others that went out there with me. And uh, not all started the race. I started the race. And uh, we got into the race only about 10 miles well, actually, a little bit before 10 miles. And the rain started coming down, the sheet kind of rain, okay? So now I'm on a bike, and I've got, yes, spandex with a built-in diaper. And, uh, and I've got my little spandex shorts on, and I've got my little, uh, anyway, my, my, what little rain gear I had, I had on. My fingers were numb, and we came to a T in the road. And the T went left to the course or right to my house. And literally, at this time, I was freezing. I was, I was drenched in every area. And, and I thought, if I go this way, as far as I go that way, I'm going to have to come back. And so, but if I go this way, I can veer off and go home. Now, at the first, when we were at the starting gate, if you call it that, I was like, this is great. I'm going to conquer this, the, the elements of the day and, and I'm going to finish this course. And, and then 10 miles or less, I got into it. I said, no way. I'm out of here. I'm going home. And so I got home and I was glad. I took my shoes off and poured the water out and just wrung my clothes out. got into the shower. I was numb and I just turned on the hot water, drained the hot water tank all the way down. And I just got warm again and I got out and I dried off. And you know what I did? I was so mad at myself. I started saying, you quitter. Why would you quit, man? You were going to conquer it. You were going to beat it and all that kind of stuff. This is 60 miles. You're going to do it. You're going to... And I was so mad at myself for not finishing. In fact, I was talking to Kelly earlier today. I said, I want to go finish the race. I just want to do it on a sunny day. All right? I just want to do it when the weather's appropriate. There's a good tailwind going and a good tailwind coming back. But it was when I got to the, my finish line, home, comfortable home, warm home, that, and the race was over, that I felt so bad because I quit. You see, the Christian life is tough. It is absolutely tough. But we've got to learn to live a persistent life. We've got to finish the course. What has God called you to? That you have sidelined yourself. That you've stepped out of the race. Don't wait until there's total regret at the end. Get back in now. The last thing that, that Paul said of his own journey there was 
I think not only be courageous, be persistent, but be loyal. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. This is a faith that's lived without regret. I'm in this race. I'm in this fight. I'm not going to be beaten. I, I'm, in this, I'm in this race. I'm going to finish this race. Whatever God has called me to do, I'm not backing out just because it gets tough and it's not easy. But not only that, is I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to keep my faith. In a day when people would encourage you to water your faith down or to simply wear your faith, I am going to exercise my faith. I am going to live out my faith in every way. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I just feel like quitting. I just feel like quitting the faith. Oh, I'll still be reading the Word. I'll still be, I'll still be listening to Dobson for good marriage tips. I'll, I'll still be listening to my Christian music. But there are times that I really feel like Satan <laughs> is more at work in my life than God is at work. I don't know about you. When I pray, I feel like my prayers go no higher than the ceiling. I just feel like giving up. And it's really easy to want to cash in the chips. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not standing before you having figured it all out. In fact, I, I just finished in my personal times of silence, solitude and scriptures, what I encourage you all to do, is, is reading the book of Job. Now, Job is not exactly a fun book to read, okay? In fact, when you get to the end of Job, he doesn't even figure out all the answers to all of life's questions. He has literally lived totally exposed to the adversary in his life. And yet Job was a very devout man. But I have to think, as I listened and I looked at the life of Job, I have to think that Job, there were times, there were seasons in Job's life when he literally felt Satan is more at work in my life than God is at work in my life. And so if today I have any bit of encouragement for myself or maybe for you if you're in that same boat, is that maybe I'm living a life like Job. I am not saying I'm of that caliber. But I'm saying that of the point that there are times in our life when the adversary is so much about us. And I've got to ask the question, am I going to keep my faith? Or am I going to cash in the chips? Am I going to be consistent Am I going to be persistent? Am I going to be courageous? Am I going to keep the faith? And the thing is, is I could look into each of your eyes today, and I would not know where you're at. But you know if what I just said speaks to you. Are you keeping the faith? Are you finishing the course? Are you living courageously fighting the fight? I think one of the criterias for living a life that I think that at the end of our, 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 our limits is to live a life of faith without regret. Don't hold back. But here's the second thing, I think, the criteria that, 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 that Paul gives us to live by, and it's to live with the end in mind. It's learning to live with the end in mind. 
That means starting today, I'm not just looking to tomorrow, next month, or next week. I'm actually looking way past that. I'm going to be a big picture thinker. I'm going to think even beyond my own life. Look what Paul says here about himself in, in, in beginning in verse 8. He says, in the future, again, Paul is already ahead in the future. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And he says, but not only to me, for everyone else who loves his appearing. See, God has a reward system. And it's not heaven. Heaven is a free gift. A relationship with God is a free gift. But He does have a reward system for those who are courageous, persistent, for those who keep the faith. And at the end, Paul's saying, you know what? I'm going to cash these chips in one day. And as he is saying, I'm literally hours away from it. I'm being poured out like a drink off. And the reality is, is I want to live my life not just looking at my death, but looking at my future beyond my death. There's a life principle that I want you to get in. Death isn't the end of life. It is only the end of the beginning of life. It's not over when it's over here. It's only the end of the beginning. And life goes way beyond this place. And my question to you is, have you taken time to think about that? And are you adjusting your life to live with the end in mind? Let's call this continuum here our life. And let's call this the beginning. And you know, we don't have much to do with the beginning of our life, do we? We just kind of show up, all right? Unannounced, uh, hopefully prepared for, but we show up and we begin our life. And this is the end of our life. And we really don't have much to do with this either. I guess we could force a situation. But really, the beginning... And the ending, we have very little control over. The only thing we have control over is what we do in the middle. But what we do in the middle and how we live in the middle will affect what happens in eternity. Because even when my life is way back there, eternity keeps going and keeps going. It keeps going and keeps going. And it doesn't stop going. And I could loop this building 15 times and I still wouldn't capture even one glimpse of eternity. But how I live between these two fence posts determines a lot of my future. It determines everything in my future. So I'm going to pray now. And then we're going to dismiss. But here's, here's where I will be. I will be right here. And if any of you at this conclusion of our service would like to talk with someone about faith and about 
how to live between here a whole lot wiser and without regrets, come see me. And let's talk and let's pray and let's begin a conversation together today. I'm supposed to give you announcements now, but I'm not. There's golf back there. There's all the other stuff. You've got bulletin announcements. you got that. This is more important than any of it. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for these moments. And we thank you for the reality that, Lord, today, if only today, we're faced with the reality of our own mortality, then let it be. But let it be such a reality that today we'll more than make a bucket list of how we're going to live between the fence posts. But we will literally allow it to change our lives. So that our faith is lived without regret. And so that we can keep our eyes on the big picture of eternity. Lord, we thank you for these moments. In Jesus' name, amen.